Come here, bitch. You like this, huh? Huh? What you want, huh? Hey, hey, knock it off. That used to be my girlfriend, all right? I used to go out with her. Yeah, well, I thought we might be starting again. Do I already have a girlfriend? Yeah, Veronica. And what, you gonna dump her for that can chick? Maybe. I don't know, dude. That can chick's nice, but I see that Veronica girl doing shit for you all the time. I saw her rubbing your back, fucking come brings your food. Then I see her change your tire once. Hey, you know, I jacked up the car. All she did was unloosen the nuts and put the tire on. Oh, no, she does a lot for you. She's my girlfriend. I had some girlfriends, too, but all they wanted from me was reading shit. Shit, my grandma used to say, what's better, fucking a good play with nothing on it? No, wait, I fucked up. What's a good play with nothing on it? Meaning? Oh, no, she was seeing all that shit. She used to fucking piss herself all the time. And shit herself. Come on, Samba, let's get the fuck out of this fucking jib joint with this fucking faggot Dante, you cock smoker. Episode 41 of the Cult of Matt and Mark Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. And make sure to visit us at our website at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com and uh, email us at uh, cultfilmreview at gmail.com. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, please do. Actually... Did we get any emails this week? You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make... Uh, do you actually check the email, first off? I do, because it's forwarded to an actual real email account. Oh, okay. Um, but I will, I will say this to our listeners... You email us, you will get a response back from us, I promise you. And it won't be a canned response. It'll be a dick pic. <laughs> a dick pic? A dick pic. What is a dick pic? Oh, uh, I'll, I'll, oh a I'll, dick pic. I'll send you something oh, later. Oh, yeah, please do. Okay. All right. Not balls, though. Just a... Okay. All right. Whatever. All right. So uh, this week, our film is the cult classic Clerks, uh, released in 1994. Um, directed by uh, none other than uh, Kevin Smith of uh, Kevin Smith fame, I guess is the best way to put <laughs> it. Kevin Smith, Smith uh, famous for being Kevin Smith. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So, so trying to get ready for this podcast. Um, you we know, watched Clerks. We watched Clerks. But typically we try to do some production history and, you know, kind of trivia and things like this. But this is Clerks. And... Kevin Smith has sort of made uh, a career out of Clerks nostalgia to a certain extent. Well, you know, I it's been so long since I've seen Clerks. And I, what year was it released? Ninety four. Ninety four. So, well, we were just out of high school. No, dude. No, I was like almost out of college. I was just out of community college. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I guess I didn't realize that it struck such a chord with people because I I don't really particularly remember much about it at the time about 92 94 that's about uh the time of our uh first run-in with uh saddam and the iraqis isn't it no this was well after that that was all forgotten history oh yeah, really totally yeah no that must have been like 92 93 uh no that was like the fall of 90 no, no that was a february 91 february of 91 yeah that was the uh, gulf war one oh okay well anyway. i'm totally fucked up uh because i thought i remember watching uh wolf blitzer get the shit kicked out of him in uh baghdad from uh community college what but i must have been totally messed up i think unless you were ahead in like some advanced class that i wasn't in 
No, that was certainly not the case. Okay. All right. Uh, so let me let me just run through the, 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 the plot of Clerks. There's not much one, but I'll do it here. <clears throat> when Dante Hicks, played by Brian O'Halloran, is reluctantly put in charge of the quick stop market on his day off, he tries, though half-heartedly, to perform his minimum wage duties as efficiently as possible. This gets tough amidst the ongoing fight with his girlfriend, Veronica, played by Marilyn Gigliotti. And his attempt to get back together with his ex-girlfriend, Caitlin Bree, played by, played by Lisa Spoonhauer. Yeah, unfortunately, the careers of those two didn't take off. What? The careers of those two actresses did not take off Shocking. after this film. I'm shocked. I'm shocked by that. Though I, though I like Boublier or whatever her name was. Yeah, she, she had a little bit of spunk to her. Yeah, Veronica. Caitlin was just sort of annoying. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, his friend and alter ego, Randall, played by Jeff Anderson, is working behind the counter of the adjacent video store, at least when he feels like it. Randall's unabashed disdain of his place of employment, along with his self-admitted hatred towards its customers, is a sharp contrast to Dante's feeble attempts at the niceties of customer service. Much of the film consists of Randall and Dante's criticism of their customers, their lives, and the work world in general. So that's kind of the summary of it. Um, I guess we can do a little bit of background. Obviously, Kevin Smith was, was a video store clerk in... That. Uh, did he work at the video store or did he work at the uh, convenience store? He was a video store clerk. He was the video store clerk. And he was actually going to play the part of Randall. Because that was him. Yeah, but then he uh, figured out that uh, it would be a little bit too cumbersome to write, direct, and star in sort of a prominent role in the film. Well, plus, he's not really Randall. I don't know if acting is, is his strong suit. Uh, yeah, Randall doesn't I mean, seem Kevin Smith compatible, at least for the character. I thought the Randall character was played very effectively. It was very believable. Yeah, sort of is. Yeah. Well, those two guys, luckily, as far as, I mean, the acting may not be terribly strong in this film, but I thought the two of those guys, they did a pretty good job. Uh, Yeah, for for a $27,000 movie, I think they did uh, just fine. Yeah, I think especially some of the dialogue was delivered pretty well. I mean, they did sort of had a bit of a read-through sort of feel to it at times. But I, I got I got the at times I got the emotions of Randall and uh and Dante were I think uh were properly displayed and understood by the audience. I think watching this film I this will probably be the last time I ever watch Clerks, I'm pretty sure of it. I've seen it quite a few times. Um strangely, I think this movie might be one of those movies you can watch over and over again well, because it's really about the dialogue and the characters. If the acting was a bit better I think it uh, probably the, probably maybe would be more watchable because it is sort of herky jerky. Well, that's excusable. I, I, I some of the things that you know after I guess analyzing this sort of on the level that we've been analyzing other movies <clears throat> of a professional pedigree, um, some things that I noticed definitely in in sort of uh, uh, the overly self aware nature of the characters in their conversations. Well, they are very introspective. I mean, you really hear uh, Kevin Smith's voice constantly from every character's mouth, which is a little disconcerting, especially after you listen to a hundred or so hours of his podcast. You really yeah. get really familiar with his voice, and it's really tough to not see it in in everybody's words. Um, some of the situations being, <laughs> you know, an contrived. interesting way to to remake this film. Sorry to talk over you, would be to have Kevin Smith do a one man show. On stage, where he plays every role. I think it would be very effective and actually eerily similar to the film. I think he's probably done that. 
or he's working on that. Well, okay, so you can't not talk about Kevin Smith and talking about clerks. Uh, it's they're married, and it's interesting because I've listened to you know Kevin Smith has a whole podcast where he just plays the phone messages that uh, led up to clerks being, uh, uh, I guess. Uh, signed by Miramax and distributed. Oh, he did? Yeah. I, I, never heard, I didn't hear those. It, it's like a, it's overly nostalgic. So he'll go through and he'll play like, okay, here's so-and-so of Miramax. And so and so he plays like these messages. This is where it really took off kids, kind of like for the ultimate Kev Smith fanboy episode. And, um, oh, huh. I, I seems like, I, well, I don't know. I've sort of fallen off listening to the old uh, Smodcast these days. But uh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, so I don't know. I, I I I like Kevin Smith. I like his podcast. He's a funny dude. Um, I obviously haven't you know invested. I wouldn't invest that much time listening to his podcast if I didn't find him funny or entertaining. So there's. I mean, if, if you haven't, you should consider listening to uh, Hollywood Babylon. The, in that case, uh, Kevin Smith is sort of. Uh, Somewhat tempered by his co-host, which is a professional radio personality. Right. And I think it uh, so, sort of works a little better without having uh, Kevin's constant, uh, you know, talk about anal sex. Yeah. Uh, oh, see, know, I, kinda, I hate con- to say it. I kind of enjoy that. No, no, that's an important stuff. part of it, all of his podcasts, including Hollywood Babylon. But uh, I think Kevin usually feels like he has to bear the brunt of the entertainment weight in his podcasts and it's sort of taken off his shoulders and he's a little more relaxed because sometimes he gets a little angry. I find in his podcasts angry. He just gets a little short with some of his other people because like Scott Mosier and Scott Mosier, but uh, with Jay. Okay. uh, Because you know, he has, he has the greater talent and uh, Uh, it's nice to see him relax a little bit. I think he tends to relax. He's a little funnier. Uh, Well, okay. So, so clerks is, is, Obviously, semi-autobiographical, I guess, because Kevin Smith worked there. So he was doing a movie about what he knew. And uh, he is, I guess, applauded because he actually is, is opposed to the guy working behind the counter at a quick stop. He actually took the initiative, went to film school, learned out how to it make It dropped out. Did he drop out? Yeah, he only went there for uh, eight months. I think he got some of his money back. Eight months? Uh, his friend Scott Mosier, who he met there, finished the program. It was a, a year-long program, so you can understand him not wanting to make the full commitment. I didn't know that. It I was thought, up in Vancouver. Yeah, I knew it was in Vancouver. Yeah, so he went home. Uh, he dropped out, but he felt he had learned just what he needed to know, and I guess he did. Okay. I mean, it's amazing. I guess I wonder how much of the fame of this film is happenstance, why it doesn't sit down in some dusty bin of history where maybe a few people know about it and how it got picked up by Miramax and actually marketed as a big film. And well, unfortunately, with a professional soundtrack. Yeah. Unfortunately, luck has, is a huge part of the uh, movie biz. I mean, I guess to a certain extent, I mean, I don't know if it's quite as equal with skill. I think skill probably maybe makes for this is in any career. I mean, you have to have an innate drive and skill and you have to be there when luck comes a knocking. Because right. uh, if you're not there, you're never going to answer the door. And I think that Kevin Smith, you know, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a guy with a motor, as people say. Yeah, he has a motor. And uh, without the motor, the luck can come by all day long, and you'll just uh, you know you just will uh, sleep through at the knocks. Uh, 
he was apparently like inspired to make clerks. Like he went and saw uh, Richard Linkletter's Slacker. Yeah, which I I've never seen. Never seen Slacker. Slacker is it, is it any good? Slacker is I guess let, let me let me try to sum it up very quickly. It's uh, basically what it is. Is it's a series of vignettes. Uh, I don't know how many. Let's say twenty vignettes uh, in Austin among twenty early twenty somethings. And what happens is, is like you'll have a scene. There'll be like four or five characters interacting, and then one of those characters will leave the scene and walk down the street, and will enter another scene, and then something goes on with uh, like maybe three or four new actors and the one that you followed from the previous scene mm-hmm. and then there another yeah. another event will occur and then one of those peripheral characters will then walk out of the scene continue and make another scene so there's it happens a few times it happens like 20 times so who picked that one up Simon? uh was that, that was did he make it on the cheap that was link letters first film but the thing is is it's interesting and so i'm looking at sort of the career arc of those two directors you have kevin smith and you have Richard Linklater. I mean, I think you can say Linklater has a more innate skill. Though both of them obviously took advantage of opportunity when it prevented itself. The greater skill lands on Linklater. Well, Linklater... making wise Okay, if you like compare Clerks and Slacker, they both have kind of that similar sort of pop culture awareness, I guess, that could be uh, credited to sort of that Gen X kind of... Uh, oh, you know... Uh, well, it's the angst of the man-child. Yeah. Uh, is that really present in Slacker? Slacker, it's it's just... Or is that more younger characters like in high school? No, Slacker is definitely of at least, I would say, composed of scenes that I would consider like my college experience comprised of, like the weird scenes in, in, in like a college experience. Because oh, okay. Austin's a college town. You know, it kind of, it has sort of that vibe. Um, the, the thing that's interesting, though, is is where Kevin Smith's at now with regard to movie making and where Richard Linkletter's at now with regard to movie making. And I hate to be critical, but it's almost as if Kevin Smith's success has exceeded as a talent to a certain extent with filmmaking. And like Richard Linkletter has gone on to do really disparate films yeah he's got a lot of range and you know i mean from philip k dick's a scanner darkly which i don't know if you liked or not i don't think you liked didn't it. particularly like the rotoscoping you didn't like the rotoscoping. i thought it was a great movie and i think that's maybe because i'm just a huge philip k dick fan um he did before sunrise and sunset which are really great isn't there a third movie coming out soon what really i think i think i had heard that before i could be wrong twilight Ooh. uh scratch that Okay, never mind. Um, and I, I don't know what other movie like uh, he did. Dazed and Confused, of course. Yeah, Dazed and Confused is really nicely made. And so there's just this huge range to to, to Richard Linkletter's film, and and with uh, Kevin Smith, you kind of had a repetition after Clerks, like Mallrats, Chasing Amy, which I think is his probably his masterpiece. If you want to give give that I really credit. liked uh Zach and Miri make a porno. Actually that was pretty decent. I thought that was I thought that you know really it sort of surprised me with the you know just the professionalism of the filmmaking. It didn't have any of the hokiness that I'd seen in a lot no, of No, it's definitely not hokey. Films. 
and and that comes sort of with. Uh, I, I'm just surprised he's he's given up making movies because with Zach and Mary, I think he was disappointed because it was a, a failure at the box office. But uh, if anything, I thought it really showed the development of his ability. Yeah, you know, now that you mentioned that, that was a pretty nice to let him go back. I mean, he made that Red State movie. Never saw it. Um, I don't know. It didn't look like it really played to his powerhouse. I know he wanted to do an action-y movie. I think it was more of like a horror commenta- social commentary kind of thing. Yeah, it was sort of, uh, I think it had to do with uh, some of the ideas that came into his head from his dealings with uh, that one uh, weird uh, group of... Uh, oh, the Westboro Baptist. Yeah, the ba- Westboro Baptist. He had some interactions with them, and I think he sort of uh, got uh, some of the idea by reinterpreting uh, the Westboro Baptist into another group and putting them in some sort of situation. The Westboro Baptist actually showed up to the University of Wyoming when I was there after uh, Matthew Shepard incident after the message. Well, that's just in good taste. Well, the thing is, is like the Westboro Baptist Church, why they garner any press to me is always kind of a fundamental um, indictment, I think. Well, they're just, our, they're, they're like real life, uh, we were talking earlier today about internet trolls, but they're like real life trolls. Yeah, they're internet, yeah, they're real life internet trolls. And, um, and, they, and, they, and they don't, and they don't run for the hills when they get discovered they embrace it yeah so to me they're kind of like these incendiary personalities like ann coulter that'll say fucking anything to get a book made and so i don't really or a book sold so i really don't find them intriguing at all i mean maybe kevin smith did but uh you know whatever so uh his i guess his uh filmography it always you know he did mall rats chasing amy um, shit what was the one after a uh, dogma, which, which was kind of, I didn't see dogma, which is really, I didn't, I thought was kind of a poor movie. Uh, then Jay and silent Bob strike back, which is pretty unwatchable. It was sort of fun. Yeah, really? Uh, I might've been high when I watched it. All right. It. Well, it, it was kind of infused with all these, uh, kind of eighties gimmicks that you would see like in movies like Porky's and you know, so the, those kind of, I don't know. Film gimmicks. I guess film gimmicks is maybe what I'm what I'm looking for. I, I think that was sort of the point, right? It was. I guess I, it, it was. It wasn't very entertaining. <laughs> and then, uh, shit. I don't know what he did after that. But uh, I, I, you know, I never. I mean, I never saw Red Straight. I, I don't know. I'm not really too. But he said he's done with it. film now. He's done. No, he's doing one more film. What he's doing? Oh, he did. He's Cop doing. Out. He, no, he's doing a uh, hockey movie called Hit Somebody. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'll see how the I'll. See, I'll see if, you know, check the Rotten Tomatoes and see how it looks. And uh, But back this to Clerks. Film, yeah, you know, back to Clerks. I thought, you know, this film, it's really just a, a series of conversations. Well, is it? Because there's some, like, situations that uh, are overly contrived, I would say, and, like, would never actually occur in real life. Well... You mean you mean some of the physical aspects of it, like well, uh, like the the gum salesman at the beginning who comes in and uh, uh, makes some sort of uh, yeah, that was the Chewy's gum reps. That was in the uh, vilification uh, chapter. Yeah, I, uh, I, I thought it, it was right. it was a little hokey, and it certainly would be reworked if he was making the film these days. Yeah, maybe I'm being too critical. I think I might be too be too critical. Uh, of clerks, I thought so. it was I thought it was sort of fun. But yeah, when uh, when Veronica comes in with the uh, with the fire extinguisher and sprays everybody, yeah, down. come on, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's um, and this uh, Clerks did have like a cartoon animated cartoon series that ran for a while, and that's definitely more suited for 
kind of that, I think. It's farcical. I did really love how this film was divided up into sections. Let's see. We had titled chapters. Vilification, Jay and Silent Bob, Syntax. Uh, Randall. Oh, Randall. Then Syntax. Uh, Vagary. Then Vagary. Uh, Purgation. Purgation. Is that a word? Yeah, it means to purify. Oh, a malaise. Uh, Perspicacity. No, no. uh, In between there was Harbinger. Oh, Harbinger. That was when the... Jew with the hemorrhoids came by. Oh, yeah, that guy. And then there was uh, perspicacity. What, what is that word? Did you look that, that means one up? A, an acuteness of perception. Really? Then there's paradigm, followed by a very short whimsy. Uh, then the quandary. Juxtaposition. And then uh, lamentation. Was there a juxtaposition? Yeah, juxtaposition just... might have been at the end. Well, no, there was lamentation. Yeah, right. And then there was juxtaposition. Right. Then there was cantharis. Catharsis. Catharsis, and then there was the denouement. Right. Um, yeah, so you had these scenes here that obviously would never occur in real life. And some of the other things that, like, you go in, and he's like, I'll have a pack of cigarettes, and he puts the cigarettes down. He's like, wouldn't you say I have a pack of Marlboros, or I'll have a pack of cig- cigarettes, uh, you camels? Would, you would guess. I mean, it was certainly simplified, though. I didn't seem, really seem to find that to be a problem, though. I did like that the packs of cigarettes were priced at $2, and I just paid $10 a couple weeks ago. You paid $10 for, for a pack a, for of For a pack of export A's. Those are small little cigarettes, too. Yeah, they're small, and they don't come in 25 packs any longer. They're, they're 20 short cigarettes. Fucking A. For, that's like $2 for a short cigarette. 50 cents a piece. Oh, is it? Oh, man, I can't do my math. It's terrible. Oh, shit. $2 was $40 right. a pack. Wow. I remember in Wyoming, I used to pay uh, $3 for a pack of Dunhill Reds. Yeah, cigarettes are pretty expensive these days. Don't smoke, kids. Yeah. So you get that scene. Um, then you get the, the, the milkmaid scene and no, no, uh, no, no. i mean after you mean after the i'm just talking about scenes that I, I are goofy are goofy and farcical um, um the guy who's smashing eggs yeah the smashing eggs guy the uh what, that was in the uh which section was that in it was in a know. section okay it was in a section of the film <laughs> <laughs> um the end scene where where caitlin fucks a dead jewish guy in the toilet uh yeah that was hot no it's it's unplausible i guess is what i'm looking for and and, and oh that she would have sex she would mistake a fat dead body with a erection yeah for him yeah Yeah. especially since it had been there for hours right and he probably had a deuce in the toilet and it you know whatever it's probably stinking she likes to mix it up get a little dirty Uh, as they say mm, yeah okay so uh those kind of scenes um but the scenes, like you said, the dialogue scenes that were... Well, the, you know, it's really the, it's really some of the sharp dialogue. How about when uh, early on in the movie, when you meet Olaf, the, oh, the Russian Olaf. rasker? The, yeah. Uh, no, the, no uh, he's, a, he's a metal singer. He's the metal singer. Yeah, yeah. He's totally metal. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, Olaf, metal. Girl sexy. Yeah. Well, Jay is like the most real character. Would you like to make two fuck buzz up? That's right. Jay is like the most real because it is kind of Jason Mewes. Yeah, Jay really, you know, it's right. It's, it's amazing how important Jay is to this film. Because Jay right. is kind of the the most realistic character in this entire film. Oh, because I don't think he was, he had no acting training. Well, he wasn't I, even trying to be an actor. I, he was just a guy that they knew. I knew, I, I, I knew, like I always, like Jason Mewes, I always think of uh, Scott's brother, Todd Ogden. Yeah, uh, who sort who, of musy? Who uh, he has sort of some of those same, I don't, I don't know that sort of involvement with uh, 
controlled substances. I would that would be one part of the equation. Um, kind of a, a, a sort of an immediacy of gratification. Like at the that that clip that we just played is like I'm just gonna go, gonna go smoke some weed and you know get fucked up and get you know get laid. He says that just before that. Right. Yeah. And so there's sort of like you know these people that are like maybe an addictive personality and have sort of this like sort of a, a immediate gratification kind of, I don't know, the love of rap music and bad hair. Uh, Jason's just sort of, Jay, Mew, Jay is just sort of an endearing character of this movie, just because I knew guys like Jay. But, you know, I don't think you really should look beyond uh, Dante and Randall for realism in, in the movie. The movie that you're right does have a lot of sort of goofy shit in it. I think that the character of Dante and the character of Randall have really a, a resonance that's that's uh, rooted in truth. Well, I mean, Dante's he's he's confused. He doesn't know what he wants to do. He's aimless. I mean, it's pretty obvious, and it, it's a real problem that I think a lot of people have in life is that they don't know what they're doing, and it's just particularly painful for Dante because he's working at a convenience store. He's, you can't forget some basically a, abusive girlfriend he used to have. You can't realize the true love he does have and he's makes too much of the shitty job he has. He worries about it for some reason. Well, the the movie does have a message with regard to that. And it's pretty, you know, pretty specific with regard to that early twenties, um, aimlessness that is really hard to avoid. Even people who are on career tracks get mired in sort of a, an aimlessness. Like even when I was in college, um, there's, you know, is this what I want to do? Especially when I got out of college and I had sort of a year of downtime in between that and graduate school. Uh, you know, I was like, what was going on? What's the plan? And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a shitty place to be, I think, especially in our day and age. Um, especially now, I couldn't even imagine graduating from college or high school now. And, uh, you know, you're either looking at a mountain of debt to go to college and get a somewhat half-assed marketable degree or you go out into the working world and just kind of stab away so yeah see i think i mean i think well jay's a neat character and true i think it's really that dante uh and randall that really drive the story well they're real characters but the dialogue is ginned up on a lot of you know a lot of the the scenes is it's it's a little bit overly aware I guess. Well, I mean, there is a little self-awareness. I think it has to do with maybe the delivery is not as smooth yeah. as it could be. Yeah. But uh, Randall is... is, is uh, He's just a great character. He's so free. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so... Mean, you, just, you just imagine yourself <laughs> free of all the worries. Like, uh, I mean, just some of the shit he pulls is just amazing. And I mean, the first time you see him... See, what is it? The first time you see him, there's a woman who's been waiting for a half hour. Just some random chick is waiting outside the video store he works at. She goes, man, you know, I've been waiting here. And he goes, yeah, I know. What is up with this place? And they're opening late again. And she goes, yeah, I know. I, I want to get that movie that's right in the window. And he says, well, I came by to get that exact same movie. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to get it gonna, first. You're not going to get it. I'm going to get it. And she goes, no, you're not. He goes, I'll bet you 20 bucks. And then not only does he not open the door and open the store and screw her out of the 20 bucks. Then he goes next door to chew the fat yeah. for a little bit with Dante before he comes back and pulls the rug from out from under that woman. 
I mean, it's just so carefree. It's just amazing. I wish I'd go through my life like that. There's a good, uh, I, I, I've told this story many a time, but uh, our friend Ben, Ben Packer, it's just awesome, like dickish move that he did back in college. And it was uh, Ben Ekblah and Will Budge were having a conversation about some art student that they had in their class. And they were talking the guy up. And it's like, oh, that guy does awesome stuff. And he's a cool guy too, you know, and sort of this, uh, uh, I don't know, this conversation about some guy that they both know that does really cool art and they like and, you know, whatever. And it was going on. It was for like a five-minute conversation. And then Ben Packer shows up into the door and goes, who you guys talking about? And they're like, oh, so-and-so, you know, in the art department. And Ben was an art student too. And he was like, oh, I know that asshole. I fucking hate that guy. That guy's like a total dick. And then, and then, uh, like Ben was like, "What are you talking about, man?" He's real cool. It's like, "Oh no, he's not. He's just a, he's just a egotistical asshole and arrogant prick, and his art sucks." And yeah, you know? and they get so pissed off that they storm both of them storm out of the room. And then like Ben's left standing there. I think he was like gonna go play a video game or something uh-huh. on their X on their Nintendo. Yeah, some Street Fighter too. Yeah, and I'm like Ben, who, who is this guy? And he goes. The fuck should I know? <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. That's classic stuff. I love that stuff. I mean, that just—I mean, it's just being a dick just for the hell of it, right? I mean, well, he's a dick to that woman that's trying to—I mean, Randall's a dick to that one trying to pick out the two videos, and then he calls her on her ruse. It's oh yeah, his, a ruse is—you uh, know—just indignant that she would try to uh, pull the wool over his eyes. Uh, the woman who was asking for some child movie, child's movie with a kid in her arm. And he was like, Oh, I'm on place an order for some hardcore pornography. Yeah. And he was listing all the titles like come sluts volume six. And, yeah. and, and they go, what was that that you wanted? So yeah, that, I uh, mean, the movie's really filthy, but it, <laughs> that, that's a pretty funny scene. It's just kind of Randall is just so, so, so free. I mean, it can't last forever. Obviously. Yeah. Right. You, you, you I mean, you can't, I mean, you'll get fired from. He'll get fired from his job. But there'll also be another terrible, shitty job out there for him. Or right, there, there would be eventually. Well, it's interesting because uh, uh, we no longer have video stores. Thank God. Um, it's an interesting. Uh, day yeah, it didn't take long for them to fall apart. I think Blockbuster's closing the rest of its stores now. Thank fucking Christ! They kept sending really. Me, well, they kept sending me like late notices, like literally four years after I ever stopped renting from. Well, them. you just went to another place. I went to another place, like Hollywood Video. I think that was my. Yeah, I had, I had quite an outstanding bill at Hollywood Video. I don't think they ever got it out of me. Well, they would let me. They would let me pay. They would let you pay whatever you wanted when you checked out. So I'd pay like a dollar on my what, late fees. Wait a minute. They, oh yeah, like how much do you want to? Do you want to pay your late? Yeah, fee you now? come in. You be coming to rent a movie, and they go, "Oh, you got you got like thirty dollars in late fees." Do you want to pay anything? It's like fuck it, they and they still to, rent to you. Yeah, you, if as long as you pay a little a pittance, you can still rent. So Which means that was that was a pointless penalty to begin with. No, no, that means I got an d- extra dollar. I mean, it cost them no extra to let me have a few movies out for a few days. Yeah, extra. yeah. It's just a money maker. Well, I, I, it, it's it, it surprised me how painful it it was to go to movie to video stores after a certain point, uh, just because like you'd go there and you didn't know what you wanted to watch, and there's the whole wall and. Uh, it's it was terrible. Like I used to just remember trolling the A to Z and the new releases aisles for like a half hour, you know, not finding anything I wanted to rent. Well, it's like how long have you perused the instant Netflix trying to find some bullshit to watch? Oh, tons, a lot. Well, it's the exact same thing. It's a bunch of crap, and there's some good stuff. I know, but you had to, a lot of times you got to get over the hump to actually 
sometimes you're not really you're just wasting time. But the thing you about just go by a video store and you like I got a half hour to burn. I'm just going to peruse. But the thing about like Netflix is you can get up and walk away from like choosing something for a while and you're like fuck it. But at the video store you'd have to drive into one of those shitty mini mall parking lots. Well, you we just we've already forgotten how much work everyday life was. You, you ever see Hot Tub Time Machine? Yeah. And uh when the the younger guy is is trying to is asking a woman where he's going to meet her lately. And he's asking for like her email address and whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She says, "How am I supposed to find you?" And she goes, "We just gonna have to come look for me." And he goes, "That sounds exhausting." <laughs> right. th- yeah. That's what life is. I mean, now you want to find anything? Like I broke a a base on a lamp, an old antique lamp last week, and I was like, you know, if I would have had to go, I really want. It's a family heirloom, and I wanted to fix it. Now, ten years ago, I probably have to go over to some town. And go rummage through a bunch of junk stores and antique stores to find the right piece. Oh yeah, take it now forever. I just went online. Ten minutes later, I got I in forty dollars. I got it coming in the mail next week. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's it's it's. I mean, it would have been so much work before. Well, I, like going out for the night. Uh, I never call anybody. It's weird. Like I rarely use my phone to call people. Like I go hang out with. So I'll. I'll be like, are you going out tonight? It's like, yeah. Okay, I'll text you when I'm on the way. And uh, we'll be in Belltown or something like that. And so I get to Belltown and I go, I text, where are you? And they'll be like, oh, I'm here. And then you just show up. You, it's like you don't have to even plan it's times gotten, or places anymore. It's gotten really easy. Yeah. Everything could be done on the fly without any sort of long-term planning. So the early 90s don't seem like that far, uh, that long ago. But, but doing anything was... a bigger pain in the ass complete pain in the ass and it's like video stores i mean those i mean those thankfully are extinct and uh, all the movie nerds that used to work there are uh no more unemployed unemployed, and i don't know running comic book stores now well there have been a lot more people asking for money on the side of roads lately yeah possibly so uh anyway but yeah randall was was uh, and he has that um that bit at the end where he's talking to uh, Dante about how uh, we're pretending to be cleverer and smarter than our customers. He but goes, he goes, well, actually, I have I have it right here. Oh, do you? Do you have a clip or do you? Uh, I, just... don't, I don't have a clip. I just have the uh, the quotes. The quote he says. What's he uh, say? You know, he goes, "Christ, you work in a convenience store and badly." I might add, this is uh, Randall talking, right? Uh, this is, I almost took this one, but I didn't, I, I work in a shitty video store badly as well. You know, that guy, Jay's got, got it right, man. He has no delusion about what he does. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a drug dealer. uh, You know, we like to make ourselves seem so much more important that we come here and people come and buy, uh, cigarettes. Right. Uh, but he he goes on to say that really our jobs are, are really, anybody could do this job and. You want to make it to be like an important, great, uh, you know, somebody's hoisted some great responsibility onto your shoulders. Well, and especially with they haven't. You're just a you're just another fuck fuck up in the world. And, and stop taking yourself seriously with uh, video stores because uh, nobody needs to do that job anymore. So, you know. Yeah, and well, it's it's tough to realize that uh, you're completely replaceable and pretty much totally disposable. Yeah, well, it's a terrible realization to come to. Obviously, there's there are people in this world that aren't quite, and of course, there's a huge 
gray area between complete disposability and some sort of usefulness. Uh, when I started working for the very large aerospace company that I currently work for, my dad had worked there for 30 years. Qantas? Qantas. That's an air, never Oh, mind. that's an airline. All right. Uh, so my dad had worked there for 30 years, and we overlapped a little when I started. And uh, he told me that um, he goes, he's like, you want to know how valuable you are to the company? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, stick your finger in a bucket of water mm-hmm. and pull it out real fast. And the amount of time it takes to fill in that hole is the amount of time you'll be missed. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a tough realization. And I mean, you can't really walk around feeling that way about yourself. But you do every once in a while when you're making plans, got to realize that there's 20 other guys that they can pluck up. Yeah, so and it varies. And uh, sometimes it's easier than others. And it's certainly easier to replace if you're cooking fries at Mickey D's. Yeah. Then you're administering some sort of specialized uh, company. Well, you need something to fuel the ego in the morning to get out of bed. You know, you need some you need some kind of ego boost to even get through a day doing something halfway menial. But the also thing about what Randall tells him is that he's Randall. I mean, he feels um, Dante feels sorry for himself. And he does nothing but complain about, you know, the bad luck the world's foisted upon him. And in the end, it, you can feel sorry for yourself all you want, but the only way to get stuff done is to not blame other things. Blame yourself. Look for your own, own well, shortcomings in any situation yeah. rather than the shortcomings of the world. Now, believe me, there's plenty of shortcomings on both ends of that situation, but there's only one shortcoming you have any control over whatsoever. Yeah. It, and you really got to focus on that one if you want to get anything done in life. Well, it, and... and uh and that's a really important message, and I don't think it's anything that – I don't see a lot of films really saying that, and it's something that people don't really talk about. You sort of have to figure out on your own, bitting your head against the wall. And even if you figure it out, then you actually have to execute, which is a whole other bag of tricks. Well, it's a hard one. Um, you know, I, I there's there's people who have had lives much – well, I would, my life hasn't been rough, to say the least, but people who have had like a rough go at it either come from a broken home – had abusive parents, uh, or I, you know, last week there was a big line at the cash machine. Fuck. Oh, fuck. Don't get me started. Okay. Let's talk about video stores just to segue and, and Redbox. Um, lines at Redbox. I fucking, I'm done with Redbox. I, I, I was enamored with them because, like, if I was traveling, I could go anywhere and pick up a movie and drop it off anywhere. But once I realized that dipshits aren't using their smart devices or their computers to pre-select a This is movie, the real deal, everybody, right here. This is the real, real deal. Real fucking this deal. This is the real deal. Listen closely. Uh, and they would go up to the Redbox kiosk at like a busy shopping... Uh, Jesus fucking Christ. At, at like a busy supermarket on a Friday night. And there's like a line of 10 people behind them. And they're literally like reading the, the little blurbs and... Like, they're at a video store trying to prick out a fucking movie. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? Just rent Ocean's 13 already. I, I was like, I'm almost going to hand him my phone and go, what's your account? I'll fucking pick out. You pick out the movie on my phone while I actually get it, you know, so. Can you do that? Um, yeah, I could have, but uh, I didn't, you know, whatever. So. I thought they were all, I've never rented from Redbox. Aren't they all on the side of the of the box of the big red thing? Or they're like. 
Yeah. I mean, how many different movies can be inside that box? The, it's the size of a Coke machine. They're 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 little teeny, uh, like little teeny CD cases. I mean, they're, they're smaller than normal CDs, like those little mini CDs. No, they're normal CDs. The just the cases are very small. Oh, so. Okay, they're just real thin. Yeah, real thin. So okay. Anyway, but uh, yeah. So yeah. So you know, we got real problems, people. That's right. So real um, problems. Anyway, a human being would would do do well in replacing a fucking red box because uh, just just fucking check out your movie already and fucking move out. So I thought you were going to make a serious point oh. before I started goofing. Uh, about serious the, point. A line at a cash machine. No, I well, uh, <laughs> I it, there is the message, and actually, I was thinking of Fight Club a little bit at the end uh, of this movie. Well, there's that line in Fight Club where Tyler Durden tells Jack. Like, how's clever working out for you? How is clever working out for you? <laughs> So you have these guys. It wasn't working out very well. Yeah, so you have these two. How's bitching and moaning working out for Dante? Well, and then you have Randall being clever, and he's... Uh, yeah, wow, that is weird. I never thought of Randall as as uh, as Tyler Durden, but you're right. They, have, they do have a lot of similarities. But uh, there's a lot more self-deprecation at the end with Randall than, than, than you ever got with... Uh, um, well, they almost take different character arcs. They start out sort of at the same place, but Tyler Durden becomes grandiose in his thoughts of remaking the world. Right. And Randall becomes obvious in the realization of his own uh, insignificance. Yeah. But I always like that. Now that line, like, how's clever working out? And so, like, this is their deal. They're clever. And, Who's clever? Well, they like to think themselves clever. I in, mean, I don't think Randall is clever, but doesn't particularly well, take any great and, and maybe any it's, great pride in it. He it's, just does it just for the hell of it. It's the Dante. Dante lets. He's not even clever. Dante lets everybody walk over him. He lets himself get abused by, get get you know wrapped around some uh, some slut's finger. Oh yeah, yeah. It, he he he's too stupid to see the good woman he has. He's not clever. How's how's not clever working out for you? <laughs> well, Dante? okay. I I, I Dante is Dante. He's he likes to bitch and moan. He's basically. All the bad parts of me. All right. I, and maybe I'm talking more of a, a, a general sort of uh, attitude. And like I had it a little bit and as, a, as an aging Gen Xer in the, in the slacker generation. In the early 90s, you had this uh, um, kind of the game is rigged uh, sort of. The game is rigged. Yeah, sort of disdain for the status quo. and You should disdain the status quo. You're baby boomer parents is bullshit and everything and so uh, the hippies are dead baby yeah you fought you lost you, you you fought back a little bit with sort of maybe the bums lost the bums lost <laughs> mr lebowski yeah. uh you fought back a little bit with maybe some like overly like an overly heightened pop culture sensibility infused with irony that you get, like, you know, with these discussions that the characters have about uh, the Death Star at the end of Return of the Jedi and how... Well, th- that is that is the classic part of Clerks. And that's, that's just some great insight <laughs> about the, the Death Star and the death of uh, contract workers. I mean, that is just a great... You could take that conversation... Play it all by itself, and it'd be a, it's a funny. It's a it's a great comedy bit. It's a great piece of sketch comedy. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, and it's a great insight into sort of. <laughs> the, I don't I don't know what it's an insight into, but whatever. Well, no, I've had, but I've I used to have conversations. That's the first like thing that. I ever saw from this. 
oh, movie. Yeah, but I had conversations like that back back in the day. Those weren't anything, you know, where you you pick. I think that's a special kind of insight about the about contract workers on the second Death Star that wasn't completely being built. Okay. Yeah. Well, you don't think so? I thought that was. I thought no, that it's was funny. very clever. It's very. It's it worked cl- out pretty well for the film. Yeah, it's clever and it worked out well for the film. No, but uh, you know, sort of those idle, pointless conversations about Star Wars and things like that. There's, you know, I used to have all those kind of conversations and they're fun and and uh, you know that was kind of like it's more of like a conversational existence back in the early '90s. You were, you know, really focused on like. I don't know. Like there was a self awareness like I had that almost well, like a camera was following me around in the day and I didn't want to say anything stupid and so like conversation was like sort of a battle of wits. Well, I think that's just part of growing up. Is it? I think everybody goes through that phase where you're really starting to figure things out a little bit before you really get jaded. Maybe it's like a youthful hubris and thinking that you're actually really interesting you have some and witty. Special insight into the world. Yeah. That you're not trotting down the same path gener- thousands of generations have in the past. Well, like a movie that came out around this time was like Reality Bites with uh, Ben Stiller and uh, Ethan Hawke. And that. You know that? I've never seen it. It just seems like it'd be incredibly pretentious. Well, it is on several levels. And the Ethan Hawke character is horribly pretentious. And uh, I would almost say unlikable now looking at that movie because he's sort of this... Uh, in a band, sleeping on people's couches, but he knows he's well read and you know can put down the squares. And uh, Ben Stiller plays that up to, to to great humiliating effect in the movie. Yeah, that sounds like a real insufferable douche, right? And so, but that's kind of you know that's you didn't have anything else going on for you in the early in your early twenties, so that's kind of what you leveraged was you're sort of almost like uh, like teenagers, teenagers like when they're trying to. Get the girl. I don't got anything going for him, right? You don't have anything. You don't have your, you know, you don't have uh, any stock. Yeah, they're not swaggering around like you and I, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, our swagger. Well, yeah, we get sort of beat down. Uh, with we're sit- strutting out the door like Randall. Beat down with cynicism. Do the strut, the Randall. Do the strut. <laughs> so, I don't know. I definitely see uh, where the movie comes from in that regard. Um, How about that? But, you know... It's just, it's just seeing uh, uh, seeing Dante get walked over over and over again. This film is just brutal. Like he's got the he's got the old guy with hemorrhoids. Yeah, who wants uh, a porno? Porno, but not that one. The one with they got bigger tits than yeah, the other right. one. Or Rick Darris comes in. Yeah, the gym rat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and just just tears him down. Yeah, it's like oh, I was fucking her when you were dating her. It's like you were what? It's like, yeah. <laughs> Dante's just God. He's fucked, man. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He's too comfortable. He's gotten comfortable, and he doesn't want to. And is he's not even particularly comfortable in his comfort, but he doesn't want to upset that. It's just sad, and it's good that um, a couple of people finally shake him. Randall shakes him and tells him what is at, and yeah. Veronica comes in and literally kicks him while he's down. Yeah, just so it sinks in. And I think that maybe does Dante have somewhere to go after this movie ends? Does Dante figure things out? I guess we'll, you know. If they ever make a sequel to this movie, maybe we could find out. <laughs> the sequel is actually pretty decent. It's not a bad movie. What? I'm sorry, what? Clerks 2, released in 2004, is not a bad movie. Hold it, hold it. But Dante is dead. He got shot at the end of the Yeah, movie. see, okay. So I watched the uh, 10th anniversary edition. Did he make it out? When he, 
He just got a steel plate in his head. And now. Uh, no, I, well, Cyborg. that's kind of okay. So, He's come from the future to kill you. So I, it, it, I don't know what Kevin Smith was thinking with that scene because it's, it's. It's well, here's the difference. We saw two different versions. You, you saw the, the theatrical release. With all the grunge music. And the happy ending. Or not the happy ending, the non-death well, scene. Well, maybe Dan- Dante's come to some self-realization. So at the end of the version I saw, uh, somebody comes in, holds up. Well, it doesn't hold it up. See, that's the stupid how, how thing. Does it, how does it actually end? Because in, in, the, in the theatrical movie, which you probably haven't seen for a while, it ends with uh, after Dante... And Randall have their big fight at the end. They decide to clean up the shop. Yeah, that, and then that, that, and then and then Dante goes, "You got to strut out of here, Randall. Come on, Randall, do the strut." And Randall does the strut out the door, and then he then he goes out and then he he comes back in immediately and throws uh, Dante. That's all in the version I saw. Dante, the big piece of fabric, he hung out front to let people know that assure them that the. Right. The the convenience store was open. Right. And then what happens? So uh, then Dante comes back in, and then there's sort of like, I don't know if it's like the place is closing, and then some dude comes in. And this the stupid part is he doesn't hold Dante up. He just shoots him. And then he steals the money out of the cash register. So Dante's a big threat. Well, well, the thing is, is like that, and that's just kind of some of the problems I've had with clerks is like uh, uh, that would, you would hold it up and give me all your money. And then if Dante, like, fought back, then he would get shot. But, no, the guy comes in, and Dante's just standing there, and he gets shot. Like, he doesn't say, give me your money. He just shoots the dude, murders him. And then he takes, like, the pittance of cash out of the drawer and then leaves. So that never, I mean, you know, that's, it, it didn't seem believable or stupid. And then the last scene is, like, Dante just lying there dead. And that's it. That's the end of Clerks. Just like real life, baby. Yeah, it, it, it was dumb, and it was wisely cut. Well, I guess the uh, Miramax team knew what they were doing. They did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It and made it no wouldn't, sense. the movie wouldn't have been as popular without that rework, and probably the soundtrack. Well, and I, and and so I was trying to kind of get sort of what was Kevin Smith getting at when he had that scene in there because he obviously the death scene. Yeah, he had it included, and it was kind of dumb. And uh, maybe he just thought he needed a mortal weight to the film. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, mostly they were just talking about trying to suck your own dick and getting snowballs. It's a intriguing idea. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, there was a yeah that was kind of there was a there was snowball character. That guy was always hanging around the store. Snowball. He looked like he dropped too much acid. That was the I think that was the idea there. Um, So maybe at the beginning of this podcast is a little too harsh on clerks. I I just I think why I'm harsh on it is because. Kevin Smith is sort of, like I said, almost made a career out of the nostalgia for clerks and didn't sort of exercise his range kind of like an act or a director that he was uh, uh, inspired by Richard Linkletter to continue and kind of uh, not try to remake clerks over and over again in different form. Uh, Try to do something maybe that wasn't kind of dick and joke. Dick and fart joke comedy with Jay and Silent Bob. There was Bob no fart it. joke in this film; just dick joke. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, as a general term, um, and you know, dick and dick jokes. Yeah. So he, he he, and so Kevin Smith does what he knows. I mean, he does it to like dick jokes. Well, he does films that are like he doesn't explore what ifs that might be outside of his his experience, and. That's kind of where I said, and I didn't mean. Well, he's more of a he's a dialogue man. He's interested in people, not great pieces of science fiction or great. 
well, the great but he's like motions of time, but he's, civilization. But he's like Batman obsessed. Like he's totally Batman obsessed. Yeah, that is a little strange. It seems like he could do a superhero movie. Well, and and comic books. I think he was wasn't he on board for a Superman? He was going to write rewrite like some Green Lantern movie or Superman. I don't remember. I think, no. it, was, I think it was a Superman thing. But I I think he would have been a terrible writer for a comic book. Um, he's done comic books. Well, I I think like for because he's it's it's he emu I mean he uh kind of lives it but he doesn't synthesize like the comic book stuff. Well, I don't think that's really where his skill is. Skill is more in, in interpersonal relations and internal struggles of the individual. That's where he lives. That's where his power is. Okay, well, maybe he's smart enough to know that. Maybe I'm being too harsh on Kev Smith. Maybe he's, maybe maybe he knows his limitations is what you're saying. Let's all down smoke dick, man. Okay. Well, all right. So, um oh, one thing, comic books. If you did you ever try to get into comic books? Uh yeah, actually I have a whole box at home. I was really into uh back when I was in like grade school and junior high, Transformers. I got the complete Marvel Transformers. Transformers. Did you read them or did you just collect them? No, I read them. Uh, also, have I was into Action Force, which was the uh, British GI Joe. Wow, I didn't know British. I bought, I I bought all that. I don't know why I bought so many of those. Really, it was a waste of money. I try. I've tried desperately to get into comics. Tried desperately at bottom, um, and I think the problem I have with comics is I appreciate them. I've even written a comic. Will and I were going to do a comic at one point. Um, and I had to, like, I went to a Comic-Con and went to, uh, you know, the, the kind of the seminars or whatever you call them. The Seattle Comic-Con? Yeah, and tried to, like, you know, they were having discussions about comic book writing and stuff. And I was trying to understand it. And I just, the problem, I think, is it's like the mixture of, of, of like, kind of prose and uh, drawings and things that doesn't leave me enough imagination and it sounds weird because you think comics are sort of the epitome of imagination, but uh, for whatever reason, like I like when I'm reading, I like to paint my own pictures. And with comics, the pictures are painted for you, and so it just sort of always kind of leaves me. I guess you have to really be in. It's more story driven, maybe more character driven, and I, it's it's hard for me to get to break into comics, and I've never been successful. And break into. As a reader, role. yeah, at re- reading them, and I've always I felt bummed worry about, about that. trying to broaden your uh, entertainment horizons. I think there's plenty out there. I don't know. In the, do you like films? Of course. Well, that's why I'm doing this. I thing. make plenty of films. Yeah, I know, but I always like. Uh, I, I'm a little jealous of the comic book uh, nerds because I always wanted to be one. Yeah, I mean, Never could. I've, I've read a bit of. Uh, I do sometimes read a little more uh, manga. I got I got a couple series you might be interested in. It's a little simpler. Okay. It's not those huge full panels. It's more small panel, sort of a small view. And I think maybe that's a a little more, leaves a little more to the imagination because the drawings are sometimes a lot simpler. Yeah. And so you can sort of see the rest of the picture in your mind. Yeah, right. Okay. I don't know. If you want, you can try to break through that way. Uh, Maybe I'm done. Maybe I'm past. I don't know. Do you like sexy chicks? I like uh, like with big tits. Are they being f- really big tits? That cracks me up. Are they being fucked by an octopus tentacle? They're being fucked by a demus, demon with an octopus tentacle penis. Perfect. Bring it on, bring it on over. 
Awesome. Okay, so are we getting up in the hour? Let's do uh, the Ebert. Uh, yeah, let's see uh, see if Ebert's going to disappoint us uh, for a third week in a row. Okay. I have to say that uh, Ebert seemed to have a real fondness for this film. Yeah, he liked it a lot. If anything... He just it just really charmed him. Uh, <laughs> and that's that's uh, he just seems charmed. Yeah, he's charmed. I th- it's uh, I think he compares uh, sort of these larger than life characters that are typical in movies, and then uh, he talks about the uh, I guess the contrast to lowly uh, convenience store clerks. Let, let me just read a couple things from here. I guess it's the normal format. He goes. Uh, Hardly anybody ever works in the movies except at jobs like cops, robbers, drug dealers, which are in this movie, and space captains, which are not in this movie. Um, That's me adding that. No, space captains. No, no, he actually uses the word space captains. It's a good Um, word. One of the many charms of Kevin Smith's clerks is that it clocks a full day on the job. It's hero Dante Hicks, and that's sort of a slight term sort of a weird hero, is a clerk in a convenience store and his friend Randall works next door. Uh, it's grungy and unkempt, and uh, Dante and Randall look like they have been nourished from birth on beef jerky and Cheetos. Yeah. <laughs> Randall doesn't look too healthy. He looks a little pasty. Yeah, well, it might have been the film. Says he's a 22-year-old college dropout, though he seems a bit older in this film. Yeah. And he drinks coffee out, out of the lid of a cookie jar. That is a weird scene. What exactly is he drinking? It's like milk and cocoa mix or something. <laughs> it's like Ovaltine or something. He's very, uh, very strange scene right at the beginning. Um, this is funny. We need to talk about this. Randall next door is working at a kind of video store with a stock so bad that he goes to another video store when he wants to rent a movie. I used to run from video store to video store trying funny. to find, a, find out of stock movies. <laughs> Uh, and we didn't talk about this at all. A guy named Silent Bob, played by Kevin Smith, is permanently posted outside the store. He is allegedly a drug dealer, but business seems very bad. Yeah. Yeah, you don't get it. Yeah, not a lot of – there's one guy that, like, comes up, uh, like, asking for drugs or something. Well, it's when uh, Dante uh, tells Jay, you know, I don't want you hanging around here dealing drugs. And Jay goes, I don't deal drugs, man. And then yeah. somebody goes right up to him and he goes, hey, man, you got it? He goes, yeah, what do you want? <laughs> That's that's funny dialogue. That's pretty funny. That's good stuff. Uh, and he, he goes on to talk about this um, this aspect of the film. There's a danger that a movie could reduce itself to a that the movie could reduce itself to a series of people standing around talking. But look at the way he I guess he's talking about uh, the director here handles the conversation between Dante and Veronica, who paints her nails while they talk. Yeah, actually, that's kind of an important thing, and this is this is one of the things that uh, made the new Star Wars movies so bad. Is is, people are just standing around talking. Well, they're not doing anything while they're talking. They're just literally like sitting across from each other with like green screen and spaceships flying behind, mm-hmm. and with their hands like crossed in their lap and not doing anything. Like to make a dialogue scene effective, you have to have things going on. That, like podcasting. <laughs> well, you have to have some action incorporated with the scenes to uh, fill out the scene, and yeah, that's something that 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 
Kevin Smith obviously learned early on that you yeah. got to do to make dialogue good. Yeah, I, th- I thought you know he 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 shot people from various ways, you know, behind or the old classic where both parties are facing the camera yet they're talking to each other. Yeah, right. Sort of a classic uh, way. So it seems like he was a bit of a student of film, even if he was a dropout. Uh, also, Eber goes to talk about another aspect of the film, Clerks, which contains no nudity or violence was originally classified as NC-17 by the MPAA. Yeah. Based solely on its language, which includes the kind of graphic descriptions of improbable sex acts that guys sometimes indulge in while killing vast amounts of celibate time. Well, it's funny because... Sounds like Ebert knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Snowball Uh, man. In junior high, I was probably the the worst gutter mouth of my life was when I was in junior high. And uh, these... Also, the most prominent uh, masturbatory time. Uh, yeah, it was a bad time all around for depravity. Uh, but like I, these conversations like that you hear in this movie mm-hmm. weren't anything outside of what a seventh or eighth grader would two eighth like two eighth grade boys would be going on about to each other. Oh, know? no, no, no. And which is funny. It's NC-17. Yet this is like the language of a, of a seventh. It's grader. very childish. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um. Let's see, what else does he have to say? He compares him to Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, he does a little bit, but he says Kevin Smith has done him one better by working behind the counter and then making a movie about the store itself. Well. Within the limitations of his bare bones production, Smith shows great invention, a natural feel for human comedy, and a knack for weird, writing weird, sometimes brilliant dialogue. And I think that really sums it up nicely. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, yeah, I think, if I, I was think it too, was a properly insightful review. If I was too harsh on old Kev Smith, I'm sorry. I, I just I don't I, see where, how you're harshing on him. Well, I just I mean I, some of the dippy freshman mistakes in this. Well, film? there's that, but I think just since uh, it seemed that um, he was crutching on some of the the elements of Clerks kind of through throughout the remainder of his film career, and I don't I don't know if it was sort of a lack of exploration on his part that that he didn't want to do something more rangy you know like quentin tarantino obviously he's a film star clerk too and you know he's all over the place with with his films yeah, i and, don't think that kevin smith he's more interested i don't think he's as interested in his film as some of these other like link letter or quarantino quarantino yeah. i think he's more interested in people which is maybe why he's made a career out of just yakking with people Maybe you're right. Maybe that's like where he's, he's more of a he's more interested about people and less interested about the mechanics of filmmaking. Well, and I think that's maybe why some of his films have lacked something. Yeah, I I don't I I guess I don't know. I, I maybe it's just like Chasing Amy was a really good movie. I I really enjoyed Chasing Amy. He had like, you know, he had he Zach like, and Mary. Well, Chasing Amy was had more of a like a point to it, I think. Shucky, Shucky, yeah. well, emulating Kev Smith there, but but uh, like there there was a message there about like uh, you know retro like jealousy and and all kinds of stuff, and it had you know Ben Affleck, who's a good actor when he's he's doing the right part, and supposedly quite a director. And uh, um, then you had the other guy. Who's his? Who's his? Uh, his his draw his comic book partner in. Uh, Oh, yeah, he was in quite a few of his films. I don't remember oh, the guy's name. All right, well, I'm not going to be able to find him, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, and, and so I was kind of expecting more 
of that kind of maybe a little bit more drama, you know, sort of these mm. human situations. Not so much quirky. And not so much dogma with kind of weird sort of quasi-Catholic fantasy and that kind of thing. I, 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 I think it would have done him well to maybe get a little bit more serious, like on a drama end, maybe a dramedy. You know, I thought he, I, th- I think he could have done that well, um, and kind of steered away from you know, sort of the, the Jay and Silent Bob, kind of Dick and Dick jokes. Yeah, I don't know. It's just my lament, I guess. And uh, you know, I guess that's not what he wanted to do. So I think we're all lobby. right. We'll make it. Yeah. Okay. Well. That's so not- what's uh, what's up next? Uh, we're gonna try to do a scary movie. At least it's one of the movies that scary me. movie. That was a good one. Scary movie. One of the scarier, one of the movies that scared me early on when I saw it, and it's I don't even know if it's a horror movie, but it scared me. It's Jacob's Ladder. Uh it's Tim Robbins. Boy, it's got some scenes that are just for some reason burnt on my psyche. I think I saw it when I was a mid teenager. Yeah, I think for me, disturbing is always to make it like I think more disturbing than I do fear. Because, uh, you know, the the whole thing, like shit jumping out at you and uh, serial killers, none of that's really that scary to me. But, like, the disturbing is always really scary. And, and then there's a twist at the end. And there's a nice twist at the end. Yeah, anyway, so we're going to do Jacob's Ladder uh, next week. And uh, until then, we might do that one remotely. So bear with us, folks. We're going to try a little uh, remote podcasting. Mark will be at home and I'll be at my home and we'll have a few uh, electrons between us and hopefully it'll work. Mm, Hopefully. Anyway. All right. Until next week. Smoke a dick.